But yeah, good morning. Morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, I'm happy to be speaking to you guys here in January 2023. Last week I was supposed to speak, um, and then we had our snow day, and so I didn't think I was going to be able to um, in January. But John, John was supposed to speak this morning. He said, "Why don't you go ahead and give the message that you're supposed to give?" And so, thanks, John, wherever he is, for that. Um, but yeah, we're just continuing our theme of family on a mission. Um, and you know, this is, we're talking about this at the beginning of the year, but this is a theme that's going to continue throughout the year and beyond, right? We're thinking this way. We're a family on, on the mission that God has sent us. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. But before I jump in to the main portion of today's message, I just want to ask a question. How many of you guys in the room today grew up attending church? Like from childhood, young adulthood, late teens, early 20s? Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of people, right? From, from infancy on, pretty much, uh, we were in church almost every Sunday as a family. Um, growing up, I did, like, all the stuff. Kids' church, youth groups, Bible studies, small groups, outreaches, servant evangelism, inner city ministries, young life, student teaching, leading in youth group in high school, and all the stuff, prayer and worship meetings at other churches, conferences, um, after graduating high school, I went right into ministry internships and classes and training. Um, I've been in pretty much some form or fashion of church expressions for the majority of my life. Um, now, I don't want to paint a picture that, uh, a portrait that skips over anything, so I will say that there's a couple, uh, there's a handful of years where I was not doing those things. I was actually running in the opposite direction of Jesus and his people, um, but God, you know, radically brought me back by encountering me with his loving kindness by the Holy Spirit and, his, and the intercession that happened between, for my friends and my family, um, for many people. And so that part of the story is for another day. I'm not going to go into all the details of that because some of you, most of you have probably heard that or you'll hear it again. But I just don't have the time to share all of that this morning. But I want to be faithful to my te- testimony. Like, I've, you know, the majority of my life, but there's a season where I wasn't, but. Um, I definitely count it as a super good thing, I don't know about you guys, that most of my life I grew up and been in church and been around people who love Jesus and I've loved Jesus. Um, My life has been blessed in so many ways by being around his people. Um, It can be tricky sometimes to have only grown up in church. I don't know if you've perceived this, but sometimes the way that church sees reality um, is a little different than maybe the way the rest of the world sees it. Church sees reality maybe a little different than the rest of the world sees it. And sometimes that's a good thing, right? That, that's a good thing. Um, and sometimes church sees a reality that may be a little different than it actually is. And sometimes that perception um, continues even to the area of our faith. Um, the picture that we have of our reality may not even be the reality of what scriptures say sometimes and point to. I don't know if it was this way for you, but I know that for me, um, I grew up with a picture of Jesus that was in some ways accurate, in some ways not so accurate. Let me just show you a picture of the Jesus that maybe most of us grew up with. Does that look familiar to anybody? Have you seen something like that before? That basic idea, right? Maybe not that actual picture, but that idea. Something like that, like this is who Jesus is. And we get the point of this picture, right? Like, He's kind, he's compassionate, right? He, he's protective, you know, he's things like that. Psalm 23, he's, he's a shepherd, right? I cannot want. Um, but if you look at this, 
and you really think about it, um, this picture, not to offend anyone, but this picture has little to do with the reality of who Jesus is portrayed in the book. First of all, I don't know who that guy is, but I don't think he was born in Israel 2,000 years ago. Like, if we could zoom in and, you know, uh, I can tell you that much that, like, that reddish hair and, uh, you know, that, that white skin, that dude's probably not it. Probably not what Jesus looked like at all. Um, secondly, what's with the sheep, the lamb, right? Like, yes, we know Jesus calls himself a shepherd in a couple different conversations, but he's using it as an analogy for caring for people. Um, the only time we really read about him interacting with animals is when he's riding a donkey or colt and or colt um, into the city and casting demons into pigs that run off a cliff. Like, those are the times we read about Jesus interacting with animals. Um, so just looking at this picture, it's, it's not necessarily really close to reality. And I, and I know, I understand the point. He, he is the Lamb of God. He is the Good Shepherd. He is kind and compassionate. But if, we are, if we're not careful, we can adopt a picture of Jesus that looks like this and lose the full, real picture, the full picture of who G, Jesus is. Jesus was and is absolutely kind, okay? He's, and he's compassionate more than anyone you've ever met. He is that. Um, I'm not saying that he's not that. But Jesus was also a revolutionary. He was a world changer, right? To the extent that when he comes around, we put a period in our calendar and we start over again. Like that's how much impact he had on the world. It's a pretty big deal. And it matters. The picture that we have of Jesus matters because in, the Christian life is all about following him. And that's how, that's how we start. Every one of his disciples, he says the same thing to each one of us. Come follow me. I'm the way of life. I am life. I'm, I'm the truth of life. Come and follow me. So I want to take a moment to say that if, you, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you want to, or if, if you're here this morning and you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus and, and you've been, it's been on your heart to share, you know, if, if, if you are here and you don't know him and you're looking for more than you're, something more than yourself, if you're searching for meaning and purpose, um, you'll find the fullness of it in nothing else but him. He's the fullness. He'll pick you up. He'll carry you when you need it for sure. If your world is falling apart, he's come to invite you to something new, a new way of life. He wants to change your world. He wants to invite you to follow him. He's changing the world. He's inviting you right here and right now to know him. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't asked him to be king of your life, I want you to think about that invitation this morning. And later we're going to invite you to, to come up and in the back and we'll pray with you as pastors and, and lead you through that. Um, the things that we're talking about this morning and in this series are going to make a lot more sense when you enter into relationship with him. You don't have to have them all figured out beforehand. You don't have to know all the, all the things. This is about entering into relationship with him. And as you grow in relationship, you'll learn these things and you'll grow closer together. So back to our picture. The picture that we have of Jesus is going to determine what it looks like to follow him. If this is your picture of Jesus, at best, your faith is going to be a journey where to reflect him, you should look to be nice and kind and never offend anyone and mostly be quiet and be a really good person and carry a sheep around with you, right? 
Now, I'd like you to be nice and kind um, and generally inoffensive, though Jesus clearly offended people. Um, but yeah, I don't want you to be rude or any of those things. But it's important that we follow Jesus, right? Not Anglo-Saxon Jesus. Yes, the meek and mild Jesus. But we also follow the world-changing revolutionaries. To follow Jesus is to follow all of who he is. We follow a Jewish Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. We follow Jesus, who is God himself, and came into our world to redeem humanity. We follow a holy Jesus, who had no sin but shared meals and tables with sinners, prostitutes, zealots, tax collectors, foreigners, and the destitute. We follow Jesus who would not raise his hand or speak a word to defend himself from people who are trying to kill him. We follow the Savior of the world who laid down his life to death that we might have life. We follow Jesus who bore our sickness, disease, transgressions, sin, failures, addictions, and placed them on the cross. We follow Jesus who has declared war on spiritual forces of darkness and and has defeated Satan. We follow Jesus who's risen from the grave and destroyed the power of death. We follow the one who's seated in heaven with all authority and power, king of heaven and earth. We follow Jesus who sent his disciples to carry out his mission. It's important that we have a clear and clear picture of who it is we follow. Jesus is not only the center of all scripture, but life itself. To have an ever-expanding, increasing clearer and clearer picture of Jesus is vital to our lives because it's the way, because the way that we see him affects everything. The way that we see God, the kingdom, our life, our relationships, our theology, salvation, discipleship, and mission, purpose, meaning, they come clearer and clearer when we see him clearer. It's important that we're following the same Jesus. Not that we have a uniform, not that we're uniform in our experience, an expression, but that the core of who he is is the same and it's true. It's important for a lot of reasons, especially as a family on a mission. It's important that when we have people in our houses and we, who don't know Jesus or we're talking to people at work who, don't, who have a bat, who've had bad interactions with Christians in their past and they have pa- or they have painful experiences and they're questioning things like, why would a loving God make their loved one die from a sickness or a disease or an accident. It's important that we know who Jesus is in those moments, right? Or why would an all-powerful God allow bad things to happen to good people? When we have a clear picture of Jesus, we don't only have compassion for those people, we have truth to stand on and walk with them and invite them into when those moments are being processed. When we examine our faith and the one we follow and the mission that he's invited us into, we see that the way that we live our lives is actually meant to have an impact on the world around us. We should see that our faith is resulting in change and in a difference. Our church, family, the mission that we're on is dynamic. It's relational. It's powerful because of who it is we follow, right? Not any of ourselves, right? It's because of who we follow. We're following Jesus. He's our model. He's He's on the mission to transform the world and has invited you and I to be part of it. He's on a mission to transform the world and he's invited you and I to be part of it into what he's doing here and now. Do you understand that? It's exciting. It's a big deal. And we might not all get it figured out in one day or one week or one year. You know, This is a journey that the rest of our lives is going to be a part of living with God, living it out, 
So before I go any further, I just want to pray. I didn't pray when we started, so let me just do that before I move into the next part. So let's just quiet our minds and focus our hearts. So Father, I thank you for today. <clears throat> I ask that your words, the revelation of who you are, and your invitation would go deep today. Holy Spirit, come. We give you permission to do what you want to do. Continue to bring us clearer and clearer picture of who Jesus, who Jesus is, who it is we follow. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for inviting us into your way of life, into you who is truth. Thank you for sending us as a family on a mission in our city and in our homes. And I just right now, I just want to say, we give you our yes. Right now, in advance, whatever it looks like, whatever you ask of us, God, no matter the cost, even though it might be scary, even though it will probably be uncomfortable, even though it will definitely involve laying down our preferences, let our heart position be yes to you, whatever you ask. Holy Spirit, help us position our hearts. Transform our way of thinking. Wash us in the perfect love of God that overrides any fear right now, even right now. Give us faith and excitement and passion for things yet unseen. We put our lives in your hands. Jesus' name, amen. So I've been stirred up, I don't know about you guys, but I've been stirred up about like what Parker and John have been sharing at the beginning of this year and, and this series about family on a mission. And the whole purpose of this series is to give definition to what God has already been doing in us. It's not something you know, new, it's something that he's been building in us and, and, and give us direction for where we're headed with him. That's what this is about. And so I plan to speak you know, 20 minutes max this morning because I want to, take time to intentionally pursue Jesus together in some specific ways. So hopefully you got a handout when you came in. If you didn't, there'll be more in the back. We'll get those for you. There's pens in the, in the rows, on the outer rows, if you need that. Um, but before we jump into that, I just want to be clear. It's Jesus' mission to change and transform the world. It's his mission, right? We get to be part of it, but he's the one doing it, okay? Um, we want to be part of what he's already doing. We don't ask him to bless our little thing that's separate from what he's doing, right? We're, we're, we're trying to jump in on what he's doing. Alone in our individual strength and human wisdom, we can't change a whole lot, right? But if we receive the calling and the grace that God has for us in our own lives towards his mission, we get to bring that to the family table, so to speak. We get to be part of something way bigger than ourselves. Our lives are unique and may look different, but we're, we're all called to be disciples of Jesus, making disciples of Jesus. We want to be faithful to that calling and mission. It's a journey. Our prayer and focus as leaders is to give as many opportunities as possible for people to continue their journey and not stall out or not reach a ceiling, right? We want to be a, like a launching pad to go into the things that God has for each and every one of us. At its essence, being a disciple of Jesus involves radically following him by clearing a path in our own lives. You know, there's things in our lives that block us from walking in the things that God has for us, things that we've allowed in or things that just happen. And so as part of our job with the Holy Spirit is to make clear a path for the kingdom of God to come to our lives and then make spaces for other people to encounter Jesus. Does that make sense? And grow and become disciples of him. As God continues to develop our individual connection with him, growing us up more and more into Christ, 
He also welcomes us into a life of mission and gives us a vision for something way bigger than ourselves. We become partners with the Holy Spirit and one another in his desire to infuse and transform the spheres that we're part of. There's, there's places in our lives, spheres of, of, of our lives that we're part of that Jesus wants to be Lord of. Do you understand that? He wants to be king of. And we get to bring him into, we get to bring his presence into those places. And then, you know, clear the path in our own lives and help make space for him to encounter others and others to encounter him. As this, as this mission and vision becomes more clear, we realize that we can't receive the bigger things that God wants to give us on our own. While he, what he desires to give us is way bigger than one person. Do you understand that? And so he's, he's chosen his family, not just this family, his you know, global family, but this family as well, his church to work together in his redemptive mission to transform the world and receive together all the things that he has in store. So I just want us to reflect again on our mission, this family mission, what it is. So let's turn to the gospel according to John in your Bible. On the evening before his crucifixion, Jesus gives a pretty lengthy <clears throat> private teaching to his disciples. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Gospel of John. Um, but he's talking to his disciples, right? His friends, his family. And he gives them instructions. This is John 14, picking up in verse 15. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you will also live. In that day you'll know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Says Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What does Jesus mean when he says, Keep my commands? Think about it. We probably all know the verse in, in Matthew chapter 22, it's 36 through 37. The Pharisees are asking Jesus some questions. They're pretty mad at him, which they usually are. They're trying to get him to slip up. And he says, one of the Pharisees asks him, teacher, what's the greatest commandment of the law? So this is Moses as well, the, the old covenant. And Jesus responds, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I love what the Passion Translation says. It says, love the Lord your God with all, every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that's in you. Every passion of your heart, all the energy of your being, with every thought that's in you. That's, that's the, the, and, then, and then the second part is love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Old Testament commandments, all you know, the Ten Commandments, all the things that can be summed up in those two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that the whole of the Old Testament, law and prophetic commands, can be summed up in those two commandments. And then we probably know the verse where Jesus expands upon that second commandment and says, and this is John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, 
love one another as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. So again, what is Jesus talking about when he says, keep my commands? The connection between love for Christ and obedience to him is a reoccurring theme in, in John's writings. Jesus is saying again and again, whoever has my commands keeps them and is the one who loves me. Saying, if you love me, you'll keep the things I've shared with you and I've given to you. If you love me, you'll keep the things I've shared with you and given to you. You'll live them out with all of your being, every part of you. He's saying that obedience to the things that he's asked of us and given us to do are both a sign and display of our love for him. The words Jesus uses in Matthew and, and the words in John are not merely understood as obeying a series of moral instructions. These commands encompass all of Jesus' words and teachings. That if we're to love him with all that's in us, <clears throat> all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, it's going to look like walking in faith and obedience and supernatural love for the people around us. Our love for Jesus and his love in us will be on display when we love others. This is where we find our definition to our corporate mission as Oxford Vineyard. As a church, our corporate mission is defined as discipling a church of passionate lovers of Jesus walking daily in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit, destroying the works of the devil by doing the same miraculous works Jesus did and advancing his kingdom and his culture on earth as it is in heaven throughout the Oxford community. There's a lot there, right? I want to focus on the first line of the mission this morning, discipling a church of passionate lovers of Jesus, walking daily in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit. First and foremost, our mission is about discipling passionate lovers of Jesus. What does it mean to be a passionate lover of Jesus? not merely a feeling, right? It's active. It's abiding. It's ongoing relationship of following and obeying. That's what he said. If you love me, you'll obey me. And so being a passionate lover of Jesus means following and obeying him. Being passionate lovers of Jesus means our love is red hot for Jesus. It's fiery. It resists anything that comes in our way of love for him and our way of love for others. That means we live out our faith, risking all for the king and his kingdom. This is what we're committed to with one another and as a family on a mission, to engage in his commands, to walk obediently, and to give our own hearts and minds to love Jesus and others without restraint. Are we perfect in this? By no means. I fail in this a lot. <laughs> but I'm, I wanna, I'm pushing into it. I want to continue. I want to go forward. I don't want to stop when I fail, I don't want to just give up, right? I want to get people around me and say, hey, let's do this together and, and push in this and challenge me and call me out when I don't do it well. Together, it looks like providing, providing space and time of ministry and teaching and practice in here that helps and empowers us to get our hearts and minds clear and our eyes focused on Jesus and the world around us. Like, Paul, like uh, Parker put it in perspective a couple weeks ago about Paul who's our pastor throughout the ages. I, love, I think you said that a couple weeks ago. I love that. He writes to the believers in Rome and tells them, them and us, in Romans 8, 28 through 29, he says, we're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. Every part of our lives, God is woven together for his good. Even though we might not see it in the moment and understand it, he's taking the things that the enemy's thrown at us the hardships that we've had, and he's weaving it together to bring good into it. 
to bring good out of it. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born and destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means that the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. If you love Jesus and you're following him, you've been destined to be on his mission, to be part of his family and his mission. It's not about doing good works to earn salvation, okay? Salvation is a gift that we receive. We don't work for it at all. This is the next thing. This is the next step. This is about honoring and loving the one who's, who saved us who, by joining in with, with him on the things that he desires, the things that he wants to accomplish on the earth. It's what we're destined for, to be part of his family and to follow Christ and what he's doing. So the second part of the line, of that line in our mission is to walk daily in the power, presence, and love of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna unpack all the verses for you this morning about that, but I just wanna give you a really quick definition. <clears throat> daily is simply that, daily, right? Our daily context. Work, school, home, at the store, in your hobbies and interests, everywhere, daily. Power of the Holy Spirit. His power is what we expect everywhere we go. We're not like doing things in our own strength. We're relying on his power. We actually expect it everywhere we go. That means no situation is off limits to him. That's a perspective. We have to, it's a mindset that we have to change. Like no circumstance in our life or any other person's life is off limits to the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's important that we see that. The presence of the Holy Spirit, he lives in us and we carry him wherever we go, whether we feel it or not. And so our, our posture towards him is like we're aware of his nearness and proximity. And we're aware that God desires to do something in our lives and in the lives of the people we encounter. And then the love of the Holy Spirit is we're overflowing with compassion because we've been transformed in our inner man and we're being transformed in our inner man. And it comes out of a healthy life where the fruit of the Spirit is growing in us and out of us and others get to eat from it. As a church, this is where we're going. It's not just like a good idea. It's not a side thing. This is it. Our mission, our vision, our values are about this. And listen, we're, we're, we're each individually responsible for praying for our city and, and the people within it. And individually, we're called to have a relationship with God and reflect who he is in unique ways. We're also called as a body to actually do it together. Okay? To do it together, intentionally and powerfully. So you get to be part of a church family on a mission. It's part... You get to be part of a church that gets to be part of what God's doing in the world. His redemptive action in a way that transcends your own individual life. And so our mindset, when we come together on Sunday mornings or any other gatherings, even if game night, you know, movie night, it's, this, is about what, this is what God's doing in Oxford. He's doing something. He's doing something in Oxford and on the earth, and I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be part of that. How can I invest my time my treasure, my talent, my skills, my gifts, my home. How can I get involved? How can I be invested? How can I become part of this thing that's way bigger than me? Because I want to partner with, with what Jesus is doing in, it, in this city, in our city, wherever you're from. We've set ourselves on the course to see the city of Oxford transformed by the love and power of Jesus. And it can't be just the pastors doing this and the staff doing the stuff, right? It has to be the body doing the stuff together every day in our lives. You get to be part of this church walking out God's redemptive plans of transforming the world about joining the larger family 
on God's mission of bringing th- all things under the lordship of Jesus. And so as, as John and Parker have said in the last few weeks, we're corporately setting ourselves in this direction. And it looks like positioning ourselves towards people around us and towards the people in our neighborhoods of Oxford and Hamilton and Riley or wherever you live. College Corner. We're inviting everyone to come on this journey. It's not about perfection. It's about obedience, right? Just obedience and willingness to learn, taking opportunity, opportunity to grow into things. So one of the big things that we see God doing and has his hand upon is on this area of meals, dinners, and homes, gatherings and homes. Sharing life and a way of life with God, becoming a consi- consistent place of openness, basically. Inviting believers and non-believers to sit around tables together. And as we do this, we get to see what God's doing and will do and wants to do. So, you know, you might have heard us talk about that before. What we don't want to do as leaders is identify people in the room with gifts of hospitality and say, here's a program, go do it and report back to us. We don't want to do that, right? Like what we want to do is, is you know, have everyone ask Jesus, what do you have for me? Because it has to be Jesus birthing this thing. It has to be Jesus doing that in your heart, not like the top-down leadership saying, here, go try this thing. Like, ask Jesus what he's birthing in your heart. And, and you don't have to have the gift of, gift of hospitality. Just If he's birthing that in your heart, he's going to make the way, right? He'll make a way either by bringing you into someone else's home or bring someone into your home, whatever that looks like, but bring the things you have to offer. What we want to do is invite every person in this room to ask the Lord what he's inviting you to do in this season in regards to, to the, this family on a mission, your gifts and talents, skills, opportunities in your daily life. It might look different, right? For every, it might look different than the person sitting in the row in front of you. It might look different than the person sitting next to you. Um, but he's asking that we do this together. Not individually, but as a family together. And so what, we wanna, what I want to do in just response, we're just going to take some time. So if you got one of these, I just want for, for a few minutes, you don't have to answer every single question. If you get stuck on one, stuck on one, just skip to the next one and come back to it, okay? Um, but what I want you to do is just take some time with the Lord. Lynn's going to come up. If you need some, Parker, raise your hand. Parker's got them back here. We got pens on the aisles. One's going to come up and play some music, I think. And after that, uh, she and the band are going to lead us into more worship. Um, and then before we end the service, I'm going to come back and actually direct us to do one more thing. Um, and again, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, like I said, you've been thinking about that invitation this morning. Myself, other pastors, leaders, people, want, we want to pray for you in the back and then um, during during this reflection time, uh, during the worship time, um, we're going to be back there to pray with you. Um, if you're if you don't go to this church and you're like family on a mission, this is not my family, and I'm not on this mission. Just still look at these questions and, and consider with the Holy Spirit what He has for you. Okay, so Lord, yeah, I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, you come and you just stir up passion for the things that you do. You speak clearly, God. If some of these questions have been things that we've already been thinking about and haven't had answers to, I said you'd give an answer this morning. 